So hello, hello and welcome to the Refurb and Retrofit podcast. Our guest today is Leah Robson, who runs a heat pump business. Leah, we interacted on LinkedIn, but first of all, hello. Hi there, how are you doing? Now, Leah, you've got an interesting background. Um, you're leading the charge in installing heat pumps uh, in properties across the UK. Tell us a little bit about the business that you run. Uh, so we actually do heat pumps and solar panels, uh, EV chargers, batteries, we, uh, we're styling ourselves as a whole house renewables company because we think it's by actually putting all those things together that we can really help homeowners to reduce their carbon impact. Uh, so we work in the southeast of England um, and uh, yeah, we've been going for nearly six years now and we're a team of about, we're 14, uh, both installers and back office staff now. In the six years that you've been running the company, the uh, heat pump and solar business has gone through quite a number of transitions and we're seeing accelerated change now, both in legislation um, and in, uh, I guess, uh, the, the audience that you're, that you're after, the, the, the people that want to buy your product. So that must be very encouraging for you. You go into houses, though, don't you? You're part of the quoting team and you're part of the sales team and the management team. And, and you've had some interesting experiences. How much time do you spend in people's houses and looking at their installations? So for us, the customer conversation is a really large part of, of the job that we do. And it's a really um, time consuming, in a, you know, in a sometimes tricky if you're trying to run a business, but also in a good in a good way, because we want to really understand what customer needs are. And we also want to make sure that customers really understand the technology that they're having put into their into their home so that you don't have any of that mismatch once um, you've installed something. And you, you know, the last thing you want is the customer say, oh, well, really, I wanted my house at 23 degrees. And you're like, well, could have done that if we designed it for 23 degrees. But, you know, so you, you want to be having all those conversations up front. So, um, so yeah, so typically myself and um, a colleague, Richard, we divide the solar and the heat pumps between us. So I do the majority of the heat pump sales visits and he does the, the solar ones. And then we kind of work together when, we, when we're doing a whole house package for people. A retrofit, like a lot of the installation businesses uh, in the UK, is predominantly um, a male-dominated work environment at the moment. Um, what sort of experience have you got with some of the questions that you're being asked and some of the way that you're conducting your quotes? Specifically, let's talk a little bit about what feedback you get when you go to sites. Well, I find it really interesting. And um, we're a company that are trying to get more women to, to work in this space. And um, we can perhaps talk a bit about that later. But um, it's it's really interesting because I do find the majority of the people I deal with as customers are, are men. Um, and it's, it's interesting. We kind of have quite a, a profile of the people that we deal with. So often they're in kind of their late 50s, early 60s. They're probably thinking about retirement, thinking about being in their home a little bit more. They're really passionate about climate change. They're concerned for their kids and, and their grandchildren. And um, they want to be warm and comfortable. They've got the money to spend and they, they know that this is something that they can do that is really going to make an impact on the climate um, by installing a heat pump. But there's also um, a slight wariness about whether their wife is going to agree to it or not. So often these are kind of you know, uh, projects that I liken to being in the shed at the end of the garden. They're kind of something that somebody takes up as a hobby and they're really keen to, to make it happen. But I often feel I'm having a conversation with the husband or the partner and he's then got to go and clear it with his wife before he actually goes goes ahead um which is a, an interesting interesting dynamic because to be honest i'd rather be speaking directly to the person who has 
actually making the decision rather than the literal middleman. So, I, I mean, this is, uh, again, uh, difficult ground for people. And mm -hmm. it's something a lot of people shy away from, the sort of gender discussion. But I think it's really important uh, if we're going to try and understand how to accelerate the adoption of heat pumps. So what you're saying is that the interactions that you normally get are from, uh, as I've understood it, um, men what make the inquiry to you and they're the people that sort of want to get engaged with the project but is, are you saying that the the decision making process for the actual purchase lays with the the wife and the household is that what I understand you're saying yeah so obviously this is like a broad generalization but we you know we install a good number of heat pumps every year so this is this is, yeah, this is a broad picture we obviously also deal with women who are uh, specifying and designing the whole project as well but in the main part this is this is the situation that, that i tend to find when i go into people's homes now that might be specific about the kind of people that are attracted to to our company i don't i don't know but this is the situation i find quite a lot of a lot of the time so when we talk about um objections in the sales process uh, one of the objections that people come up with is that they, that they can't afford it or they don't understand it this conundrum that you're dealing with then uh, how is that affecting the objections that you have to the installation of the heat pumps well i think the issue is that there's a lot of negative press out there about heat pumps in you know particular papers that we won't mention their names but um so there's concern and uh, women is biologically proven only again we're talking in broad generalizations so you're gonna to have to forgive us but on the whole women feel the cold more than men so um there is a concern often amongst the you know the partners of these people that i'm speaking to that that they're going to be warm enough and also disproportionately women tend to bear the burden for the laundry in the house so there's also concerns about how am i going to get my washing dry because typically somebody might be drying their washing on on radiators on a regular basis and you know with a heat pump the radiators don't get don't get as hot so i think there's a few sort of gendered issues that we often don't don't think about and we talk a lot about you know low temperature heating and you know the, the heat the heating kind of always being on but running a lot cooler and that kind of language doesn't really inspire confidence in somebody who's concerned about whether it's going to be warm or not. Interestingly, in my personal experience of living with a heat pump, and our customers say the same, is that actually the house is an awful lot more comfortable, but um, that's not, you know, people are concerned before they've had it installed. Now, you know the, the physics of heat pumps because you've been working with them uh, remorselessly now for, for six years. Um, help me understand now for the wider audience that don't have a heat pump in their house or experience of them, what, what it means in terms of the regulation of temperature in a house that has an effective insulation and heat pump fitted? Well, I liken it to uh, a slow cooker rather than a barbecue. So if you, if you have a house where the temperature is constantly comfortable, you're, you know, that's the, that's the slow cooker. That's what you get with a heat pump. So you don't have that sense of, oh my, I've just stepped near to the barbecue, i.e. I've just turned the gas boiler on. I've come home from work, oh golly, it's freezing, I need to whack the heating on. Um, uh, so you, you, know, you just don't run your heating like that. You just keep it at like your constant slow cooker kind of, yes, I am definitely warm enough, but I'm not really aware of whether the heating is, is on or off. It's, it's just warm. 
so like sometimes i'll come down in the morning at, at home and it's you know it's minus two degrees outside and i look and my heat pump might be putting like 35 degree water around my house so if i touch the radiator it's tepid but my house is still warm and i think that kind of slightly flies against common sense so you sort of yeah, it's easy to easy to be concerned and get kind of worried and off put about this feeling of having cool radiators. But the fact is, the house just stays at a constant temperature that you choose. You know, like I was saying before, if if you tell us that you like to be at twenty three, and you're happy to you know to pay for that size of heat pump and for that size of electricity bill, you can have your house at twenty three with a heat pump. We wouldn't encourage it for climate change reasons, but you know, it's it's all about the design and. You know, talking to customers if you like your house at 18 we will design it so that your house stays at 18 but it will be constant rather than that on off on off that you get with a with more of a gas or an oil boiler kind of situation does that make sense that does make sense and that's good to explain to me because I, sometimes i must admit i'm struggling a little bit with the concepts of how they can and cannot work and part of that i think might be due to what is a highly effective lobbying campaign and press campaign to make people general the general public feel that heat pumps won't be successful and, and I, I wonder you know if that sort of resonance that i have because you know there is that sort of sense of um wonder will will it work in a house do you feel like enough is being done to cut through the noise and um, counter the argument that heat pumps are not effective in the uk or do you think currently that war um if you want to call it a war is being won by the people that are saying that heat pumps aren't effective I think there's two sides to it, really. One, you could say there's no such thing as bad publicity. So at least people are talking about heat pumps, which, you know, two or three years ago, if you told me that there was going to be an article in the Telegraph about heat pumps every week, I might have, you know, I'd, I'd have laughed. So right. <laughs> it's, it's getting out there. People are having the conversations. Um, but we do have to do a lot of work with customers to yeah to reassure them really and so i mean our approach is often to say well let's go go and visit go and chat to one of our other other customers and um you know we need to one thing we want to do with our website is get you know more videos up there of people just chatting about their about their heat pump and i think it's reassuring when people see other people just like them um and that comes back to the female thing as well you know we shouldn't always be featuring men talking about their heat pumps that's you know let's ask some of the the women to, to reassure other women that they're warm enough and that you know they can they can still enjoy being in their in their house with a heat pump but yeah it's a it's a tricky thing it's become part of the culture war about is climate change real and should we be doing anything to fix it or not i'm glad you're using more videos i must admit i'm going to cross plug one of the articles um, on the magazine about the the image of retrofit because i do feel like retrofit has a sort of image problem it's not quite um, seen as necessary and believable and um, case studies i reckon are, are a good way forward because mm. if people are seeing the demographic of, of them if they see the, themselves mirrored in your case studies then it's going to make them feel more reassured like you say and and, and that, that that can only be positive moving forward so leah um one of the things that uh, you've noticed on site is that men are effectively initiating these projects but then they're leaving the uh, purchasing decision to their wives, if I've understood that correctly. But there's also another issue which you feel might be um, impacting the speed and the um, 
uh, the, the quantity of adoption of uh, heat pumps, uh, which you touched on about. And I've seen you in a few forums talk about that. So why don't you talk us through what you feel could be done to improve that? Well, I think one thing that you'll notice if you uh, if you're in a situation where there is a man talking to a couple, i.e. You know, your heating engineer talking to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who uh, he's trying to sell the heat pump to, uh, more often than not, he will engage in conversation with the man. So if we are going to reassure women that you know, heat pumps are a good good thing, it's going to be an awful lot easier if we have other women going into their houses to talk about to them about heat pumps. A, they're less likely to get sidelined in the conversation. Um, B, their concerns are more likely to, to get to, you know to get heard and to get acknowledged and to get and to get answered. So um, that's one of the reasons why as a company we're really keen to get more women into the into the sector i mean quite apart from the fact that you know they're fantastic jobs and um they should be available to women in a way that they're not easily at the moment um you know we are currently training five uh, five women in different aspects of our business to um you know to become the electricians and heating engineers of of the future um and uh, yeah i think it's really needed in the industry because yeah i mean let's face it women are 50 ish percent of the population and uh it needs everybody to get on board with with this climate transition and i mean one thing i would say we're not doing a great job of at the moment and i definitely like to do better is around ethnic diversity as well because um often we don't take into account all the different ways that people use their homes you know there can be different cooking techniques and different rooms that are maybe used for worship or particular you know uses that can be different with different ethnic groups and if we're not if we're just blind to those things I think it makes us less effective in our quest to give people homes that are healthy for them and good for the environment so you know it 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 needs like anything really isn't it it's best when the people doing something are accurately reflecting the the makeup of the people that they're doing it with and and for it's really interesting that um you're advocating for more women both in the sales and uh, engineering part of uh, retrofitting and, and heat pumps we're doing some deep research currently at refurb and retrofit um looking at the qualification process to get people switching across from various other disciplines into retrofitting heat pumps and it looks like that we found there's quite a significant bottleneck and I wondered whether part of um, what could be done to encourage more women and more ethnic um, ethnically diverse um, recruits into the business is to widen the, the bottom you know the entry point into the heat pump installation market is that something that you would recognize or that resonates with you yeah i mean i think the biggest challenge that faces the sector is is not getting more training courses where people sit in rooms and look at powerpoint slides it's getting more <laughs> people to be out on site having experience of you know, actually fitting these things you can't learn to do this stuff in a in a classroom um and we have a makeup of the industry which is primarily small and medium-sized enterprises and it's quite tricky for them to take on apprentices any type of apprentice let alone to kind of add the extra hurdle of saying well actually you need to be thinking about the diversity of, of apprentices that you're you're taking on so yeah so it's a it's a big challenge even if you just wanted to grow the industry and keep it full of white males it's there's still a challenge to to train enough people up 
Well, that's an interesting action point, maybe, that anybody listening to this podcast who has those levers of power could put their hand to. I mean, uh, uh, we've had uh, the potentially next government coming in, Labour, withdraw from their um, commitments to some of their green agenda um, budgets. Um, is there a way that you would, would it be of great help to heat pump uh, companies uh, if they had a more streamlined and effective way of getting apprentices in. I, I speak from experience because two years ago, I was working as a consultant for a company and we were contacted by one of the government agencies to get a, an apprentice in. Uh, and it took six months for the process to be resolved. And in the end, they couldn't provide an apprentice that was of the standard required for the business that I was advising. So effectively, it fell by the wayside, which is an awful lot of money and mm -hmm. people being... Um, interviewed and, and put forward uh, for effectively um, a failure, a, a result that wasn't achieved. It, it, could there be something to be said for streamlining and providing? How would how would you, how would how would it help your business, for instance, to have apprentices? Because you could potentially be training people that would be replacing, you know, your workforce in a different company, couldn't you? Would that be okay with you? So I think the problem in our our industry isn't so much the supply of of apprentices there's a there's a lot of people at college doing heating and plumbing and electrician courses that are just not getting any practical experience so i'm not sure it's so much streamlining the supply it's making it easier for small organizations to take on apprentices so um to my mind one thing that we could do which would make a massive difference is um get rid of the rule that if i take on an apprentice I can't make them in any way responsible for their training costs. So I can't, you know, like if you were um, want, want to be an accountant and you've done accountancy at university mm -hmm. and then, you know, you wanted to go and actually train to be a qualified accountant, you go and you enter into a training contract with an accountant and they put you through your accountancy exams and you come out at the end of, I don't know, two or three years with your qualifications. And typically you've got some sort of arrangement with the company where you'll stick around with them for a certain amount of time or you'll pay back some of your training costs. So if, if I take on an apprentice under a government, you know, proper government approved apprentice, that's that's not allowed. So that I think worked, you know, many years ago when people were just generally in systems of loyalty and family ties and all the rest of it. That, people would stick around but now you're training up quite likely people who aren't going to stay with your business they're going to go up and set on up on their own or they're going to go and do their own you know work for someone else so the fact that you have to put all that effort into someone and they're not at all on the hook for it I think is a bit a bit short-sighted really and I think if you want employers to train people up there needs to be an understanding that if that person then doesn't stay with them that they're going to get some kind of recompense at the at the end of it so that that to me feels like a fairly easy policy decision that could be that could be changed um i think also so much of the money goes to colleges so you know if i take on an apprentice if i take on somebody who's i think under 19 i can get a thousand pounds um if i take on somebody who's over 19 and if, unless they were out of work and you know um and on benefits in some way then i don't i don't get anything um i have to pay three thousand pounds for them to go to college and you know i have increased van costs i have increased insurances i have increased time to show them the ropes yeah there's it's really stacked against the employers 
Um, so it feels to me small wonder that people aren't wanting to wanting to take people on. In a sense, unless you're a company that's been set specifically up like us as a social enterprise, kind of why would you? Yeah, I mean, if um, if companies are trying to earn a buck for themselves, their owners or share owners in on some of the large cases, uh, I guess you must be right that you know they're not really that interested in investing money that's not going to directly benefit them. So, talking through the points that you've raised so far, uh, you recommend that uh, heat pump companies maybe take a look at the way that they uh, interact with the person that's making purchasing decisions in a household you think that it's important that the language that they use um, is use, is delivered potentially by somebody that mirrors the decision maker. So we would be looking for maybe more women um, uh, working at the sales and engineering part. And then finally, you're saying that we could do with more women engineers being recruited in any way to increase diversity and ethnic groupings within the workforce. These are all really great steps to take but what movement are you seeing literally at the coalface? Because in other industries and other journalists I speak to, uh, there is legislation being moved through, um, particularly in the demolition and construction sector, to help combat things like embodied carbon, um, the diversity of their workforce. But some of these decisions are being made by people that aren't at the coalface, who aren't actually interacting with customers and who don't have a working workforce. So how, how much change are you seeing? And how difficult do you think it could be to make these changes? Um, I think the biggest change that we're seeing, which is perhaps not a very positive change from, from my business's perspective, but maybe good overall, is that we are seeing more bigger players get into the heat pump space. So, um, you know, the likes of EDF Energy, of Octopus Energy, um, British Gas are now kind of doing more with, more with heat pumps. So... Um, it could be that we see quite a shift in the whole heating and you know heating and plumbing industry away from small and medium-sized enterprises to these larger organisations, which you know you could argue did you blue in the face about whether that's a good thing or not. But for diversity, potentially that could be a good thing because these bigger organisations do have more more scope to take on a more diverse pool of apprentices and they also have the budgets to you know to be able to not be quite as worried as I was just outlining as to whether someone's definitely going to going to stay with them but I think in terms of the small and medium-sized enterprises I think it's it's really really tough to to take take people on and what we're starting to see now is quite a fight for for engineers you know if you're a you're an experienced heat pump engineer you're in a very good position at the moment not so much if you're in a business owner like me trying to employ them but you know if you're if you're well trained and you know what you're doing um you know people are people are poaching and headhunting and and all the rest all the rest of it which you know is great for those individuals but not so brilliant for just the general rollout of, of heat pumps because so much of the emphasis from government uh, up to now because we've all been waiting for this low carbon heating apprenticeship but so much of the emphasis has been on training existing um, installers to fit heat pumps rather than trying to grow the grow the overall pool. Yeah, there's been a lot of chat, hasn't there, about the significant shortfall in the number of uh, installers that we have and how that's going to be overcome. Um, I, I, I listen and I hear your fear there that um, the large players coming in might have a really quite critical impact on smaller businesses 
like yours, but isn't there always going to be room for businesses to work around the you know the failure points of the of the large organisations, the the personal care that you offer, um, the one to one, and and it sounds like I mean you're obviously an expert in heat pumps and you know them inside out. I wonder I wonder how often you get mansplained to um, <laughs> about. <laughs> But yeah, I'm guessing by that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, our customers love Google, so you know, there's there's an awful lot of oh, I found this on the internet. You know, what do you think about this? Have you ever heard of this? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We fitted a few of those. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there's there is yeah. There's an expectation that you don't necessarily know what you're talking about, and yeah, some surprise when you do. I guess. Oh right. Oh really? You really know your stuff, don't you? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Well, let's 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 break it down into if you're down the pub um and uh, you're with a group of people talking and somebody brings up the, the the discussion about heat pumps not that it would happen that often in pubs i don't think um do you get asked for your point of view <laughs> uh, no i try and stay quiet and then i just kind of <laughs> listen to what other people have to have to say and yeah let them let them get on with it to be honest because yeah they're, they're always going to think that they know more than I do because I'm I'm female. What could I what could I know about this this kind of stuff? So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I just find it quite funny, um, and I think it's the same in a lot of walks of life, isn't it? You know, we'll we'll assume that the the lady we see in the hospital is is the nurse and not the not nurse and not the doctor. So yeah, it's 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 most noticeable when I go to site with um, like my senior engineer and. Um, I suddenly noticed that the customer has gone from having had loads of interaction with me um, to then suddenly like totally cutting me out of the conversation and just speaking to him. Um, oh, right. So what you go to site with a, sorry, is it a male? Senior yeah. Male? So, so what, what will happen typically is that I'll go through the whole sales process and we'll do a lot of, you know, talking backwards and forwards about what was going to be done. And, you know, and then we get to like the very final sort of like, let's just do a quick technical assessment before the heat pump actually goes in and so we'll then sometimes we'll go to site together myself and kevin and um yeah then the customer suddenly forgets that i'm in i'm in the room and often i know loads more about the project than kevin does because he's just you know this is his first introduction to it and i've been involved for several months and and suddenly yeah suddenly i'm i'm not really there anymore there we go. Right. I am. I am sorry to hear that. Um, that sort of leads me on to the point I was going to raise with you. Uh, you know, some of the bravest people in the midst of conflict of any sort are the mediators, and they're the people that are called upon when both sides have got justified gripes and really could be shouting from the houses about what's not good and what's not working. It's the mediators that uh, try to bring warring factions together and find that common ground now you could spend more and more time trying to battle um sort of gender politics uh, and and stand up for uh, for women um and their role in society but just narrowing down into the in industry right now what positive change do you think companies could be doing then what's the final recommends to make sure that women's voices are listened to um, in this decision-making process and and what, what would be maybe a way of asking you is what would be the perfect world how would you like to be interacting with people on sites and how do you things how do you hope things would be in say five years time well, I think the thing is to challenge your own stereotypes so you know just 
just watch yourself and notice those times when you automatically defer to somebody because they're male and assume that the lady who's there doesn't doesn't understand or isn't technically astute or doesn't kind of quite know what's what's going on i think another thing that we find in construction is a lot of women end up working in construction in kind of more administrative roles so i think what some companies could be doing is saying to those women look you know do you have any interest in being out on the tools do you think this could be a job that's that's of interest for you and you know you might discover like your next best heat pump installer because you took you know, took somebody who you had in order processing and put them through their apprentice, apprenticeship because they already care about the company. They already know the principles of what you're what you're trying to do. So I think just like be a little bit more broad minded and um, yeah. And when you're on site, just and women do come along, you know, make sure you make them feel welcome and yeah. Don't do all that stupid, oh, there's a woman on the thing, we can't really swear anymore, or, you know, we've had all that. Um, we've got to mind our P's and Q's now, there's women about, yeah, just... So you're part of a wonderful group of people that are working very hard, um, but I guess the, the, the space that we ought to be in is we should be talking about female engineers and having to have that conversation, everybody should just be engineers and it's irrespective. Uh, it's irrelevant, rather, mm -hmm. what gender, and we shouldn't have to be campaigning I think anybody who's working in this space knows that the sort of advocacy and voice that you, you're bringing to this discussion is really important. So um, as a sign off, I'd just like to say, I think it's really important that um, people like you, people like Elora Coupe in her own space um, are working hard um, to, 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 to bring this to our attention. It's something that I, I think can change what do you see your company transitioning to in the in, in the next year or two? What's the most um, significant barrier you have now before we close? Um, for us, I think it's uh, just continuing to grow and grow our sales. We've taken on a lot of trainees in the hope that you know we'll be big enough by the time they've trained, so that we can give them give them jobs. And uh, I also have this kind of fairly feminine idea of of how we might grow as a company. Sort of the idea of cells dividing that we can kind of get our DNA into the people that work for us and then we might not not a franchise that's a different thing because that's kind of like selling your your brand to another another group of people but that sort of a little bit like a cell that we might divide out and we'll have a your energy your way kind of sorry where we are and then maybe maybe sprout another one somewhere else but that uh, you know we're building quite a different kind of work culture here where people do hopefully feel that they're you know cared for and looked after and it's a place where they can flourish and we'd like to kind of create that in more in more companies and yeah grow grow the firm as we go so so yeah just growth growth in a yeah in an organic kind of fashion um is what we're what we're after so if anything that we've said in the podcast has resonated with you i'm going to leave leah's uh, details in the show notes for the podcast you can also search them out on linkedin yeah here's the point at which you can tell us all about your company where can we find you on the internet and what's the brand name that people should be searching for so we're your energy your way so our website is just your energy your way.co.uk and um yeah same on linkedin we're probably mainly on linkedin and twitter a little bit on instagram and facebook but yeah more more linkedin and twitter and then then have a look at our website Fantastic. So you heard it here first. If you want to get your hands on the levers and make changes in this industry, let's advocate for more women behind the tools, people selling, and also a better approach to the way that we speak to our customers. Leah, thank you very much for attending the podcast, and I look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. 
Super. Thanks, Matt. Take care.